All right. Good morning. Okay. Well, I'm thankful for this opportunity to share with you a message that's been brewing in my heart for a really long time. In fact, I was having a conversation with my daughter, Ariana, a couple of weeks ago, and she asked me what the uh, topic of my sermon is for today, and I told her it's on persevering prayer. And her response to me was, well, that's appropriate. You see, she's a part of that inner circle of family and friends who have seen my life up close. And my daughter knows that this topic has been a lifelong lesson that God has been teaching me. A topic that he has even been highlighting most recently in my life. So I guess you can say it's hot off the press. When I started this Christian walk, I thought prayer, piece of cake. I ask God for something and he answers. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Pretty simple. And to some extent, I guess there is some truth to that thought. Isn't that what John 15, 7 means? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it would be done for you. I especially like that second part and sort of the first part. As a new believer, I saw God kind of like a slot machine. I put my coin or prayer in, pull the handle, and I get the answer that I want. But I quickly learned that that's not what prayer is about. I have learned that through prayer, and specifically through persevering prayer, God is interested in a relational exchange that results in personal growth. It's an avenue in which he develops in me unwavering faith in his character. He teaches me how to fight spiritual battles, and he allows me to co-labor with him to see his kingdom come and his will be done here on earth, even as he is wanting to answer my prayers. And prayer must be understood in this relational context with an amazing God. It's not some formula. And to be honest, I have to admit that I have disliked this topic in a way because the idea of perseverance doesn't sound very fun. To talk about perseverance is kind of an admission that something is taking a long time. And thus I have to persevere. And you know, we live in an instant society where we don't appreciate waiting. And inside of each one of us is a little person, a little tantrum throwing, demanding ego, bursting to get out. And mine at times would break out in song, kind of like this one. I want a party with roomfuls of laughter. 10,000 tons of ice cream And if I don't get the things I am after I'm going to scream I want works, I want the whole works Presents and prizes and sweets and surprises Of all shapes and sizes and lies 
Don't care how I want it now. Don't care how I want it now. Okay, I admit it. My alter ego is named Violet. Okay? But not everything happens quickly, right? What about those instances when it feels like God is taking his sweet time? Or he isn't even listening? Well, I once read a verse with new eyes and it became a revelation to me. It's Ephesians 6.18. It says, the spirit, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. When I read this scripture, my brain went poof. There are different kinds of prayers and requests. And we're going to cover some of these in the next series that we have about prayer. You know, some of it is like intercessory prayer, prayers of agreement, and so on. But I have come to believe that as I read that scripture, one of these kinds of prayers is persistent prayer. And sometimes we must use the specific tool for the situation that we are in. Here's a great quote I came across recently. Perseverance in prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but rather laying hold of God's willingness. Our sovereign God has purpose to sometimes require persevering prayer at the means to accomplish his will. I want to start by telling you a personal struggle and experience that has led me to dig deeper into this topic. I'm going to be really honest and really vulnerable here. Recently, I took a strong stance on something that I was believing God for in prayer, only to be severely disappointed. The opposite of what I prayed for happened. I got discouraged. And honestly, downright mad. What's the point in praying, God? Why should I spend my time and energy praying about something if you're going to do what you want anyways? I was so frustrated. Have you ever felt like that? How should I pray? Or why should I pray? You ask me to pray about everything, and then you don't answer. Or the answer is opposite of what I was praying for. This is really discouraging, God. Now, I told God a long time ago, no matter what happens in my life or in this world, I know without a doubt that God is real. And no matter what, I would rather die rather than give up my faith in him. And we all have to make this decision if you want to finish this race with the Lord. But still, I was mad and frustrated about this discipline, this topic called prayer. So I threw a fit. I'm sure no one else in this room has ever done that before. And then, after I came to my senses, I realized again that when I have questions, I must draw near to God, who has the answer, rather than pull away. So I told him, God, I know you told us to pray always, and I want to obey, but I am so discouraged. Lord, I need insight into this topic. So just like the disciples did in the Bible, 
I asked him, Jesus, teach me to pray. And this is when he showed me. Prayer's not a quick transaction. Prayer is meant to be a vehicle to grow in your relationship with God. And sometimes in order to achieve that maturity or growth, it takes time and perseverance. Specifically, when God calls me to persevere in prayer about something, it's an excellent way for him to teach me how to bring my disappointments to him. Find healing for pain and rejoice in the small victories with him. So let's talk about persevering prayer. There are two definitions of persistence or perseverance, and both of these definitions are important. First one, continuing to exist over a prolonged period. This definition addresses the fact that persistent prayer is long-suffering, taking time and patience. An example would be, you pray for your child to come back to the Lord and spend five years but you don't give up. You keep knocking on heaven's door. Second definition, continuing firmly or obstinately in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Tenacious, determined, resolute. This definition addresses the idea that persistent prayer is necessary because sometimes our prayers meet with opposition whether that's from the flesh, us or someone else, the fallen world around us, or the devil. Sometimes we pray for something and it doesn't happen or the opposite of what we pray may happen. Like when we pray for someone to be healed and they die. Or we pray for a marriage to be reconciled and they divorce. Persistent prayer in this case is dealing with a disappointment, gathering yourself and saying, God, I don't understand what just happened, but I choose that peace that passes understanding that the Bible talks about. And then you move on to, God, your word says to pray and not give up. So I'm gonna pray for this next healing, this next marriage, so on. Both of these situations require persevering prayer. So let's look at the word to see what God has to say. Luke 18, one through eight, is the parable of the persistent widow. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was this judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. Well, for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. I think this is so funny because it shows me she's not politely asking. She was aggressive and active in asking. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? 
Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Do you remember those standardized tests that ask, what is the main point of this text? Well, when you read this parable of the persistent widow, although there's several lessons that you can learn, the main point is not how the judge gave her justice. The point God highlights is the persistence of the widow. It's because of her persistence the judge finally gave her justice. I think it's also interesting that he ends this parable with this statement, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This to me indicates there's a strong tie between faith and persistence. In fact, this statement indicates that God considers this kind of persistence as faith. If you think about it, only someone who has rock-solid faith can even exhibit perseverance. Hebrews 11:6. without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Another parable Jesus tells in Luke 11:5. He says to them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not because the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needs here importunity means persistence especially to the point of annoyance Jesus is telling us again persistence is a quality that I value why should we value persistence then number one because he does as evidenced in these two parables and in many other scriptures, like 1 Timothy 6.11, you man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Paul admonishes Timothy as a man of God to pursue perseverance. I understand pursuing righteousness or godliness, faith, love, even gentleness, but perseverance that's not a characteristic that I may have chosen as being important, but God did. Second Peter 1, 5 through 7. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love. Peter says, make every effort. And then he put perseverance on the same plane of importance as these other values or virtues like goodness, godliness, love. So if God values perseverance, we should also. We should love what he loves and hate what he hates. Number two, there's a blessing you obtain when you persevere. John 5, 11, it says, we count as blessed 
those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. If you read the end of Job, God blesses him even more than what he had in the beginning because he persevered. James 1.25, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. There is a blessing that is attached to perseverance and only those who persevere obtain it. Perseverance works in you maturity. James 1.4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be what? Mature and complete. Perseverance is actually working something inside of you so that you can become mature. There's a quote from Watchman Nee that says, prayer is the acid test of the inner man's strength. A strong spirit is capable of praying much and praying with all perseverance until the answer comes. It's like when you build a muscle, you need resistance in order to build that muscle, build your strength. And that's why you use weights. In this case, the resistance is time or in some cases, disappointment. And by overcoming these obstacles and persevering, maturity is formed. James 1.3 says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, God considers perseverance as such value that he will allow your faith to be tested by not answering you right away. Okay. Another reason we should value it. Persevering prayer in an area can result in you having authority in that very area, allowing you to help others. And I want to say here that if God calls you to persevere in a situation, you need to see it through. Sometimes God does call us to lay something down, lay a burden down, but that's a different sermon altogether. Okay, we're going to talk about perseverance this morning. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised those who love him. I was reading this verse and I felt like God said to me, the crown of life is the authority you obtain in that area that you persevered in. For instance, Those who have persevered in seeing a broken marriage be restored have greater authority to intercede and to counsel those who are struggling in their marriage and so on. For Jeff and I, we had to persevere in having children. And because of that, we have faith to pray for others who are praying for their own biological children. So several years ago, a couple from our church plant in Boston named Joe and Mika reached out to us for prayer. They had two miscarriages and were obviously devastated. They had heard our story and wanted to share their struggles and receive prayer because they still felt like God wanted to give them a natural child. So we had a great phone conversation and afterwards we agreed to stand with them as they believed for a healthy baby. We were thrilled to hear that soon Mika ended up getting pregnant again and this time she carried the baby to full term. 
She has a beautiful baby girl named Emmy. And there's a picture of Emmy. And we still keep in touch today. You see, we've had this opportunity to pray with other couples and have seen that same miracle repeated. And it's not to say that everyone we pray for has a healthy baby. All I'm saying is, when you're comforted by the Lord in a certain way, you are able to comfort others in a similar fashion, as it says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4. And we have more grace and authority to stand with others in that particular area. Okay, so we talked about the value of persevering prayer. What is the purpose of it? Why did God give this type of prayer to us? Why is it even necessary? Isn't God just going to do what he wants anyway? Well, I struggled with those same questions, and here is where I landed. Number one, obedience. I persevere because he tells me to. Hebrews 10.36 says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he promised. 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18, through 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Simply put, perseverance is the will of God. I persevere because it's his will, not just to get an answer. Number two, to engage in spiritual warfare over a situation. I love the story in Daniel 10 when Daniel prays for an answer and an angel finally shows up and he says, from the first day you purposed to understand it and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. However, the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for how long? 21 days. Obviously, the enemy is doing all he can to get Christians to stop praying or to be discouraged, to be unbelieving, or to be innocuous. The devil wants you to stop praying. Why? Because James 5.16b says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The devil is afraid of your earnest prayer. So the first thing I do when I get discouraged in prayer is I let the devil know. I may struggle and I may wrestle with God about this, but I'm not going to stop praying. Why? Because God says, pray without ceasing. And because his word says that my prayers and your prayers are powerful and effective. And somehow in, in his infinite wisdom, God uses our prayers to bring about change on this earth. Amen. All right, God's timing. Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything under the sun. And sometimes we persevere because we have to wait for God's timing. There's an interesting story in John 11, 5 through 6, when Jesus was called by Martha and Mary to come because Lazarus, his friend, was sick. And it says, now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. 
Jesus could have responded quickly and healed Lazarus. But instead, he stayed where he was two more days, and his friend ended up dying. It was his plan to raise Lazarus from the dead as a testimony to many people that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. God has his reasons for delay sometimes, and we must trust in his perfect timing. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us, become let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So we looked at possible reasons of why God gave us persevering prayer. Now I want to look at the how. How do you persevere? What should we do while you're persevering? We all get tired. We get discouraged when our prayers are not answered. God understands this. And sometimes the road of perseverance is difficult. So how do we overcome this? I will share with you some of the tools that he has shown me. Number one, I delight in God. Draw close, knowing he is accomplishing something in me while I'm persevering. The temptation is to get hurt or angry and pull away from God, but that's the devil. Draw even nearer, knowing the delay is for a reason. And as you're delighting in him, constantly resubmit your desires to the Lord. Allow God to reshape or redirect your prayers so that you're praying out of his desires and not just your own. Remember, Psalm 37, 4 starts with delight yourself in the Lord, and then he'll give you the desires of your heart. And John 15, 7 actually begins with, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. You know that word abide, it means to live or to stay. It also means to accept or act in accordance with, like I will abide by your decision. While you're persevering, ask God, make my heart willing to abide by your will or your decision, Lord. Sometimes I've found God uses persevering prayer to change my heart and desire so that he can put in me those desires that will reflect God's best for my life because only he can see what is to my benefit. Choose to walk in thanksgiving and praise while you're persevering. I don't think we truly understand the importance of thanksgiving and praise. It lifts our eyes off of the circumstances and declares God's strength and power. Colossians 4.2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Gosh, the role of thanksgiving and praise for a Christian is a whole sermon in itself, and I cannot do justice to it today. But know this. God inhabits the praises of his people. And if you want God involved in your situation, start praising and thanking him. All right. Another thing to do while you're persevering, gather around you some errands and hers. What am I talking about? Exodus 17, 11 through 12. It's a story about Moses 
And when he had his arms up, the Israelites would fight and win the battle. But when his arms got tired and started coming down, the enemy would start winning. So Aaron and her, who were friends of his, held his arm up the whole day until Israelites had the victory. They were... You see, when Aaron and her held up Moses' hands, you realize their hands got tired also. But they were willing to do the work. Why? Because they knew victory was coming. Little aside here. How do you find such people? That community often begins in your life group. And in order to have that community, you have to attend life group. And invest in those relationships. That was a freebie. Don't be mad at me. Okay. While you are praying for your situation, pray for others who are in the same situation as you. When your eyes are on someone else's needs, there is more grace to persevere in your own. Don't waste your trial. The devil hates it when you pray for others. And if he is making a roadblock, it will make him want to flee and leave you alone. In 1999, God led Jeff and I to move to Boston to help start a church with some friends. Personally, we were in a difficult place. I lost my first baby the day after she was born. I had Ariana, but then I had a miscarriage at three months. And we were struggling emotionally. Some friends of ours found a great apartment for us in Boston. But unbeknownst to us, when we arrived and we were moving in, we were like, what is that brick building right across the street? And we found out it was an abortion clinic. Pretty ironic, isn't it? Here I was struggling to have a baby. And here were all these cars going in and out of this clinic to have abortions. In the time we lived in Boston, I had five more miscarriages. And the only place that my treadmill fit was in a small room that faced the window that looked out into this building across the street. So most days, I'd be running on that treadmill and I'd be crying from the pain of my own miscarriages as I watched these cars drive in and drive out. And I was so tempted to become bitter and angry But I decided that while I am persevering in prayer for children in my own life, I would let God take care of my heart. And I would turn my grief into prayers for all those women and for the lives of the unborn. I don't think that I ever prayed as earnestly as I did in those two years of my life. Sometimes the pain I personally felt was so intense I would jump off the treadmill and just weep and weep on the floor. And there was one woman who also would come with her sign and faithfully stand there pleading for life every week. And between her prayers and mine, we were storming the gates of heaven in persevering prayer for almost two years. After God called us back to Texas, I was invited to speak at that church plant we planted in Boston. And I shared my testimony of all that God had done while we lived there. And afterwards, a young lady came up to me, tears running down her face. I didn't know this at the time, 
But she told me that abortion clinic I was talking about eventually closed. God had turned that place around, and in fact, the city transformed it into a home for single moms to come and have their babies. Isn't that amazing? While you are waiting, pray for others who are also waiting for their prayers to be answered. And I also want to say right then, if you've had an abortion in the past, know there is grace and mercy and healing for you. This is just a testimony of mine of persevering prayer in this area. Okay, last, last point. What do you do while you're persevering? Don't let go of hope. Cling to hope. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. If you feel that your heart is sick due to past disappointments, bring your heart to him who is the great physician so that he can heal you. And then afterwards, you can continue to live in hope. As Christians, we are made to live in hope. Not hope in the answer to your prayers, but hope in the person of Jesus. Be honest with yourself. What is it that I'm really hoping for? Is it ultimately God and his ways or is it the object or outcome of my prayer? 1 Corinthians 13, seven says, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. I read an interesting study done at Harvard in the 1950s that I wanna tell you about. Dr. Kurt Richter placed rats in a pool of water to test how long they could tread water. On average, they gave up and sank after 15 minutes. But right before they gave up due to exhaustion, the researchers would pluck them out, dry them off, let them rest for a few minutes, and then put them back in for a second round. In the second round, how long do you think they lasted? Remember, they had just swum until fa failure only a few short minutes ago. How long do you think? Another 15 minutes, 10, maybe five? They lasted 60 hours. The conclusion drawn was that since the rats believed that they would eventually be rescued, they could push their bodies way past what they previously thought impossible. Do you believe that God will rescue you? Jeremiah 17, seven says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. It doesn't say whose hope is in prayers being answered. It says, whose hope is the Lord. Going back to my personal story of me wrestling with the Lord on this topic. I shared with you in the beginning about a recent situation where I experienced disappointment and I became frustrated with the Lord and I didn't feel like I had the strength to get up and pray again. So as I was crying out to the Lord about it one morning, God reminded me of the Bible story and verse in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, the ask, seek, and knock verse. But he said, I want you to read it 
in the Amplified. So I read it. This is what it says. Ask and keep on asking. God spoke. That means more than once. And it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking. That means don't give up. And you will find. Knock and keep on knocking. That means get up again, you woman of faith. And the door will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives. And he who keeps on seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, it will be open. What man is there among you who if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he instead give him a snake? If you then, evil, sinful by nature as you are, know how to give good and advantageous gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven, who is perfect, give what is good and advantageous to those who keep on asking him? God spoke to me. Only those who keep on asking and who keep on seeking and who keep on knocking gets the door to open. He was saying, first, you have to let go of those disappointments and trust my character. Then after that, don't stop. Don't give up. I will reward you if you persevere with what is good and what is most advantageous. Love that. Next, he gave me a picture. He gave me a picture of a bowl of incense tipping over. I remember a long time ago reading a scripture about this, but I haven't thought about it in a while, so I looked it up, and this is what I found in Revelations 5.8. When he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are what? The prayers of God's people. God said, keep praying until that bowl tips over. Finally, the Lord gave me a picture of an Olympic 1500 meter race. He said to me, if you want to persevere in prayer, you have to be like those runners in a long race. When a person is running, you must at times look to the side to see who's coming up, or you have to look at the ground to, so that you don't stumble on the bumps, or sometimes you have to look at the clock to see how fast you're running each lap. But ultimately, you have to keep your eyes on the finish line. And that finish line, my friends, is Jesus himself. And so that's what I did. I was praying for someone's healing who was very, very close to me. So I first called my Aaron and my her to come and pray with me and hold up my arms. And this is what I would do. I would briefly look at that situation and cry out to God for healing. At times I was full of faith and able to pray with ease and confidence. But when I became afraid and unsure, 
I would take my eyes off that situation and put them back on Jesus again. And I would begin to praise him and remind myself that he is faithful and true. I would remind myself of his goodness and whatever happens or doesn't happen, he will remain faithful and full of love and he will bring about what is the most advantageous. And I would just begin to worship him. And then when I would get my bearings right and found peace again, then once again, I would briefly look at that situation and begin to declare God's faithfulness into that situation. And I did this cycle over and over and over again until that bowl of incense tipped over. I want to end our time with a powerful song and lead us to respond to the word of God. Is there any way to get the light, the house lights kind of dim so that we can focus on the Lord? There's a song that meant so much to me during this rough patch that I recently walked through and I want to share it with you. It's called Heroes by Amanda Cook. And the band agreed to learn and sing this song over us this morning during the response time. I love the words to this song because it is so appropriate to persevering prayer. One line of it says, I will trust here in the mystery. I will trust in you completely. And then my favorite line is this, you taught my feet to dance upon disappointment, and I will worship. I love this imagery of someone so filled with joy and wholeness that they can actually dance upon their disappointments. And God can do that. He did that for me. He brought me to a place where I had supernatural grace to dance upon all my past disappointments and worship him who is faithful and trustworthy. And he can do that for you. So while the band is singing, I want us to do two things. First of all, I want you to bring your disappointments to God. Our heavenly father understands we are but flesh. He is gracious. And because we're not omniscient like God and we can only see a part, we can't see the whole picture of why something happened or didn't happen. But we as humans have an amazing gift that has been given to us and it's called trust. We can't see, but we can trust in Him who can see the end from the beginning. We must bring our disappointments to him so that he can remove those roadblocks in our life so that he can heal our hearts and so that we can rise to believe and hope and pray again. Second thing I want you to do, I want you to ask God, what are the half-built highways in my life? This illustration was used by a mighty intercessor in, in a teaching I heard a long time ago, and it has stuck with me through the years, and I wanna share it with you today. 
I want to give you a visual picture of what it's like in the Spirit without persevering prayer. This picture is like many of our prayer lives. There are highways that we started in our lives with good intentions, but we never finished them, never completed to accomplish what God had intended for us or for others. God never said to stop praying about it. He never lifted that burden to stop praying. We just got tired and discouraged and we gave up. Some of you may need to start working on those highways again until God lifts the burden and you have done what He has asked. Because as is, that highway is not really useful. It doesn't take you to the destination you're supposed to go to. So while the band sings, I want us to respond to God. And that can be in your seat if you just wanna worship with them, or sometimes some of you need to come up front, get on your face before the Lord, not caring what people think, and, and meet with God so that He can remove those disappointments out of your life. Whatever you do, let's respond to His Word this morning. And after a personal time of responding, we're going to have ministry people come up to pray with you if you need it. Amen.